there it goes. Everybody look up and watch out. It's Keep Up with Sylvan Sane. I'm here with the rest of the Keep Up crew. Let's get into some motherfucking shoutouts. It's time for some motherfucking shoutouts. Here we go, episode 100. Do, do, do. I have no fucking musical equipment in here. Yes, I'm going to have to use my guest to be my fucking drum and thimble and all that type of shit. I just said the wrong thing, too, but I don't care. Here we go. Here we go. I stole uh, I stole Questlove, and now he's doing my drumming for the jokes. And I have Sammy and John from the Sammy. It's Sammy and John Instagram handle, and they are also Sammy and John on YouTube. A great, great channel with great videos. Please tell us who your shadows are. Hey guys. Hey. Hey. So our shout outs are Ming and James. They are uh Asian and black couple from based out in Atlanta. And we also want to shout out Jay, uh Josh and Grace. Josh and Grace. We're gonna do What's up, guys? There are some of our great friends also on YouTube. Um, make sure you guys go check them out and subscribe. They do similar content just like us. Sweet, sweet. Big enough, the YouTube community. We love that. This podcast is on YouTube. Also, we will get into how big a deal John is for this show. Let's get into some viral news. What the fuck happened? Here we go. Here we go. We got a lot of politics going on. We're going to try to mention these briefly. We don't um, We don't have a politic-heavy guest uh, this week. All good. Tiger Woods recovery. Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all. Um, pretty sad. He got into a car accident. He was doing a public appearance with Dwayne Wade. And then he got into his car, and he um, he flipped over the, uh, the turnstile a few times. And now he... Um, even so, he was trying to come back from a back fusion surgery, and now he's going to he's gonna have pins in his leg, his ankle, and he's gonna try to come back. Yeah, <laughs> he had to be transferred to Cedar Hospital. That's where they do a lot of these sports surgeries. Um, do you guys know anybody that has gone through major surgery in sports? Are you guys uh, are you into like orthopedic? Freaking uh, injuries. Is there somebody out there that has like, a major injury? They were into any type of injuries, but that's very sad news. And yeah. I'm like, at least he didn't die. Like, I don't think the sports fan world can take any more like big athlete deaths for a while. Yeah, not, not after COVID. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. It is very, very close to the generational pull as Kobe. And I, I totally agree with you. Um, the way that people, sports people were talking around, it was kind of like a death because you're right. It was very close. It was very close. They had to pull him out. The uh, yeah. the fire department had to pull him out of the car. Yeah. But, I, I, both his legs were like really bad. Crushed. Crushed, so. But is knows. he still like playing? Uh, he, yes. Well, I mean, he I, was. I right? think he was like teaching or like helping helping other athletes or something like that. Of that day, yes. But, no, he's still active on the tour. He hasn't retired. He's still in the PGA Tour. He's not a senior. Um, there are there are a few athletes, like Ben Hogan, um, one of the record holders for the PGA Tour wins. Um, he came back from a major injury like that, from a major car crash. So we'll see. Tiger Woods has more skill uh, than Ben Hogan, and he has a lot more accomplishments. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see. You're right. It is a very, very big deal. As as much as like a Kobe Bryant, he died last year. And I, I definitely don't want to see one of those sports heroes uh, go out like that as well. So we have Oper- Operation Talon. 
And I want to thank my guests for uh, pulling me in on that because my links were messing up. Uh, actually, I still, it's still messing up. But Operation Talon is an immigration is an immigration operation, and uh, a lot of people. So let me get to the nitty gritty. A lot of people have been saying that uh, it's the same old shit with Biden. So instead of getting to all these topics, I'll head on with you guys. Uh, he just he bombed Syria recently. The insulin, uh, he took away the insulin. So I want to tell like our Republican audience out there. I oh I I'll say it one more time. I only voted for Biden because I hated Trump. I don't like Biden. I still what he what he's doing right now with Syria, what he's doing now with the minimum wage, what he's doing now with the stimulus checks. I'm not surprised. I didn't vote for him for all that. I knew that that shit was not going to be great. But again, I just didn't want Mr. Tweety, Mr. Happy Tweeter to be president either. How are you guys happy? You don't have to get into too much detail, but do you feel the same way? Like, are you like just content with not having Trump in there or when like, like AOC, she's complaining about the immigration policies that are going down right now with ICE. Are you still, are you still as enraged or do you want to keep the president as accountable as the last one? I feel that all presidents should be held accountable. Just yeah, point like that, it's, a, it's a job, you know, at the end of the day, and it's the, the highest job of the man. So, to be completely blunt, like I'm not really that big into politics and all, but all politicians are liars at the end of the day. <laughs> like <Yeah>. we know, <laughs> like we know that politicians just say things to, you know, get it, get those seats in that office and. Uh, at the end of it, the working class and the poor are the ones who are hurting the most. And I think people just need to focus more on helping others. Absolutely. Well, I mean, in terms of Biden, I I definitely am like disappointed in what we've seen. But I agree with Vince. Like, I would rather have this than Trump again. Yeah. But it's not looking good. It's not. It's not. And I would. I I can't. But for me personally, personally, I'm not speaking for anybody else. But for me personally, it. Although it's not what I voted for, it. It's. It's my government's fault for giving me this choice. He. He was literally my fifth choice, and not even my fifth choice. I didn't even want to get down to the fifth choice. I had so many people: Klobuchar, Buttigieg. Bernie, Bernie was first. Bernie was first and foremost. Bernie was first always. Yeah, first and foremost. But in this election, I would have voted for Obi-Wan Kenobi. I would have voted for Elmo over Trump. I would have voted for anybody. And you could have went back to... Say it again? Kanye, you would have voted for Kanye. I would have voted for Kanye. I would have voted for over Trump if he was if he was the primary candidate, if he was in the general election. Yes, absolutely. Oprah for president, that would have been right. Yeah, any anybody you can. Yeah, I anybody. dare you. I yeah, dare yeah, you. Yeah, I, dare, I don't care. I don't. You can't even, Trump, that's a fact. Like anybody and, Trump, like, Yeah, no, I would. Yo, you're gonna get me in trouble. I would vote for Castro over him. I would vote for. <laughs> I would vote for like almost anybody. I literally would vote for anybody. You could put me McCarthy. You could go like old school. I would vote for like I. I literally did not like that guy at all. But anyway, I moving on. I'm sorry. That, I do think that. You know, he's going to be held more accountable than presidents in the past because of, you know, just the activism and how involved people are in politics right now and trying to prevent what we voted into office four years ago. So I, 
I'm hopeful that he's he's going to be held more accountable. Me too. I totally agree. Me oh, too. Trump or Biden? Biden. Biden. I mean, Biden. I, I, I don't know about that. Yeah, because uh, about a year ago. But I feel Trump, like, I oh, think, uh, I also think, like, uh, people are just going to, like, set that standard, you know? It's like, and, but it's it's always that double standard, right? Because, like, they're looking at Biden with so much scrutiny right now, whereas the Republicans let Trump get away with, like, Literally whatever, <laughs> whatever, you know. So it's like it's, it's like it's always that that flip of a coin, right? Like people just want to look both ways and and voice their opinions uh, at shit that they care about. Yeah, we we call that jaywalking over here. Mm-hmm. Jaywalking. <laughs> so uh, some quick pointers. Cuomo is we don't have to get too far into it. Uh, it's developing story. So Cuomo. He has a second sexual harassment claim. He has asked for an independent investigator. This is before he said that the, all of the claims were outlandish and he wasn't going to do anything about it. Now he was reversed that. Now he is asking for independent counsel on that. Uh, we have, oh, the Supreme Court rejected a last-minute appeal by the Trump team to hide his taxes. Now the Manhattan district attorneys have that, and they can move forward for any criminal uh, investigation they have going on there. Myanmar, is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Yes, nice, Myanmar. Facebook it, uh, has banned news from there and from parts of Australia mm-hmm. for the rising – oh, no, wow, look at that. My my freaking links are messing up again. I was about to say rising cost of insulin. <laughs> um, Myanmar, why don't I just type this in because this is – oh, here we go. Why is Facebook banning the military pages? Why do they do it anytime, actually, to be honest? Uh, Facebook right now, uh, they have lots of ads. They have lots of ad space. So, like I said, anything that are going through parliamentary Australia, anything that is going on through a dictatorship in Myanmar is not going to show up on the Facebook pages. How do you guys feel about this? Do you think that Facebook, even though it's a private company, should they adhere to the people trying to give free flow of information, or should they always keep in mind of their stakeholders? Yeah. To be honest, like Facebook uh, has gone through so much right now. Like I haven't been on the platform for honestly. So long. When I open Facebook, I'm just like, "What is this?" Because I'm never on it. Yeah, and it just—it's like I feel like they're so hypocritical, especially like with what has gone on in our country, and then they want to go and censor news that's been told in other countries like I feel like they're being just being very hypocritical it's like either choose a side or, or like sit aside like you're gonna let the free flow of information happen here in the U.S. but when another country um has like is opposing things and you know opposing the like, well the government the military did a coup there so it's like why are you censoring that and why is it like we it's basically like we're also being censored from it right because we don't know what's going on in China. We don't know what's going on in other parts of the world. And Facebook is supposedly like that one news source now and the internet, right? So it's like, why be so hypocritical and um, just look at us, the, the end users, as dollar signs for, for ad revenue? Absolutely. Well, you go ahead, go ahead, Sam. Oh, I'm just, I feel like, yeah, you should just have one rule 
just want just do the same thing. Universal. Yeah. Gotcha. Yes. So in Myanmar, I read a little bit more on it. Uh, they have a lot of hate speech towards Muslims and the people. And yes, there's a coup going on over there as well. Uh, they uh, they don't think that Facebook is doing enough. And like you said, uh, picking sides, a lot of people will say that, you know, uh, white domestic terrorism, uh, white nationalism. Yeah, they've done. I've not done a great job, but they, they have put a focus on that. But then people will be like, well, what about Holocaust deniers? Why, what about those type of people? And uh, in Australia right now, Australia is asking for ad revenue from Facebook. They're saying, hey, if you're going to if you're going to post something from the Australian Times, you have to pay the Australian Times. Like John was saying before, they are a big disseminator of news. They basically are a news outlet now. They are a distributor, Apple News, all these digests, all these places that are trying to bring you a catalog of different type of news sources, the Washington Post, the New York Times, the Inquirer, all these type of things. People are trying to put this on your phone, able to bring that together. So Australia is saying, hey. Sorry to interrupt, but Facebook yeah. has a tab that says news. Like, it's just switch, yeah. like, it switches, and it just shows you news. So it's like, okay, now you're trying to be a news platform. They really are. So it's like, you're now taking profits from journalists. Yes, that's where I was and, getting to. That's where I was getting you're to. You're taking profits from journalists now. So it's like, you're rerunning the, like, the, these news articles that these journalists depend on like on the money, like to get out to the readers. So it's like, if you're going to not pay them, like it's just messed up. Now, when it comes to like the Huffington Post, when it comes to big legacy media, they're not legacy media, but they're pretty big. Um, they're the ones I don't think need that kind of revenue, but you're right. The people like the user generated media, the people that are like on the ground that have like their blogs that like they're really indie media. Yes. It's kind of like Spotify, like you 2 and all those guys, they don't really need all that ad revenue. They've made their money on tour. They've done their, they've done their thing, but independent artists. Yes. Some of them are grateful just to be on Spotify, but not anymore. The, the days of that are over. Now everybody's on Spotify and everybody has access. Pay me. Totally agree with you guys. I'm so happy you guys. That was good. That was good. Thank you so much on that. Um, right now, uh, there's a lot of people complaining about the insulin costs rising under Biden. I did a, I did a fact check on Newsweek, and they're saying that um, basically it's the right now it went from it went back up to fifteen hundred dollars in a ninety day supply, and everybody's uh, everybody's blaming Biden pretty much. And so I didn't know that he had that much power over that. I didn't even know Trump had that much power over that. And it tripled. It actually tripled before Trump uh, from 2002 to 2013, the diabe- from the ADA, according to the ADA. And right now, like I said, it's uh, insurance companies are fighting back. They're fighting back against policies that, uh, that Trump had made against the AHA, the Affordable Health Care Plan that Obamacare. And so basically this is another ploy to fight back. And so, yeah, it raised up insulin prices. It raised up EpiPens, and that's no good. Does anybody in your your life, guys, have uh, diabetes? Anybody have to take insulin? Uh, my mother, she suffers from type 2 diabetes. Ouch. And, it, it, you know, just getting medications to her has always been a problem. I've, uh, actually saw a news article on Vice News that people from, well, like Southern California, they would travel into Mexico to buy the insulin because it's so much cheaper to get there. And then they bring it back into the States. 
because it's just so much cheaper. And that, that's just completely absurd. Like, I feel like our whole healthcare system is, like, just... In shambles. <laughs> yeah, it's just in shambles because, like, we spend so much money on it and then we claim to be the best in the world. But when it comes to getting the needs to the people, like, it's just... Failure. Including this, including this vaccine rollout, we're an, we're yeah. quote unquote an advanced nation, and we we're like the worst at dispersing it. Yeah, we we've been dispersing it probably the most in the world, but we're not doing it in an efficient way. Absolutely, not doing it in an efficient way. No, that's no good. My dad is uh, he's on insulin as well, and he has a very severe case of diabetes. And uh, yeah, no anything anything that affects that is no good. That's why I wanted to look into that. Um, yeah, that's more developing, but I'm pretty sure nobody wants uh, people with diabetes paying uh, triple the cost. So hopefully that gets cleared up. So there's a couple more things. The Equality Act, um, we mentioned that because right now that got voted in recently. That has been trying to get voted in since 1964. The House has passed it a few times. It's not the first time the House has passed it. Um, it creates um, equality for you know, a lot of LGBTQ, it affects a lot of communities, actually, not just the lesbian and gay community. Um, a lot of uh, hate crimes are highlighted in here. We talked about the Asian American community, um, the uprise and crime with that. So it affects those type of communities, too. Um, but there's a lot of people um, that it affects in religion. So the people that with the cake battle a few years ago, it affects those type of things um, where you can buy a cake and who like your religious freedom and stuff like that. So that's the fight between this bill. And that is a fight between Congress. Um, there, Marjorie Taylor Greene, she's made the news once again. Um, she put a sign about an anti-transgender sign on her bathroom. And one of her colleagues, um, Marie Newman from Illinois, her son is of transgender. And she got offended. And she put a uh, a flag, a, tra- a trans flag on front of her door, and now there's a good old-fashioned rivalry. They're right across the hall from each other, by the way. Like, I didn't, I saw the video. I was like, wow. <laughs> it was like watching an episode of Beep. So, uh, yeah, man, how do you, how do you feel, uh, guys, that um, even though Trump is gone, the circus has not left the building? No, no they're still there. <laughs> I don't know why they're still there. It's going to take a while for... Yeah, until until you know the new generation, and I feel people really take notice that uh, younger people need to leave. You know, like we have too many politicians who are way past their prime, and we need younger people, more knowledgeable people with modern day experiences to come together and mobilize and just, you know, like, just... I don't even know how she's still in office, but, okay, I do know, obviously. I do know. (laughs) I do know. QAnon is strong. (laughs) (laughs) But it it kind of sounds like some kind of, like, high school stuff, but on, like, a bigger... Like on, political level, on, almost. yeah. It's like it's 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 gone to that level now. It's like it's on the highest like offices of the land. Right? It's like our constituents do like do not this comprehend. Is, like what are people are doing? Right mm-hmm. No good, no good. Yes, um, people voted those people in. I mean, good for Miss Newman. Uh, we right now that is the current climate we're in. Uh, 
we, we need to accept people. We need to, and, and acceptance is to me a dirty word. Tolerance, like these are people that already exist. So yeah. we're doing it tolerating and accepting people. Like that's not even accurate either. So uh, I appreciate people like Newman. I do not, I'm with you, Nalanda, uh, Sammy. I do not appreciate people that are behind in the times when it comes to people of the trans community um, and just being polite and being like, how do you, again, like you're in a work setting, you're in a work setting and like, you just think that people are just going to agree with you like that. Like you think you put a bold statement like that right on your door and you don't think that you're, you're going to like, you know, bump heads with anybody. Like that's just pro- proper work etiquette. That's not just like, you know, yeah, trying to. Yeah. No, I feel like those people are just like those, like the ones on like social media on Facebook that, you know, they're thought process cannot be changed. Like, what they think is, like, they believe that to their core. And it's just so dangerous for anyone, really, because those are the people that are really radicalized, and they will attempt. I mean, she brings guns into the capitals. That's why they put, like, metal detectors, in, in, like, at the capitals so that... Sure does. Like, why does a politician need a gun? <laughs> at work. At work. Like... <laughs> Why does the government where, need where there's like where there's supposedly like capital police officers supposedly protecting them? Like, why do you feel the need to bring a gun? But hey, right? Yeah, I know. And they tried to gaslight AOC recently when she was saying that um, she saw people attacking, and they tried to like make it seem like she didn't she didn't see it. And then they tried to compare it to um, uh, video footage of her looking at migrants through yeah. cages. That too, one women. And to people of color is try to diminish. Very true. And, oh, good. And point. shrink and kind of flip whatever they're saying. Like that. I mean, I'm a woman and I'm a woman, woman of color, so I feel like yeah. it's very true in life. It's we're kind of used to it. And like I really respect could. AOC for continuing to speak out, even though she gets a lot of shit for it. Yeah, yes. but it's, it's it's like she said though. Like um, like you can't diminish like her experiences because you you had a different experience like it's survive like it's, it's like pretty much giving them survivors guilt in, in a sense like making them feel guilty for being attacked and stuff like which is yeah. really wrong very true very true and um i i think of aoc as like a jackie robinson i totally agree with you guys um these are Things that men do not have to go through. She has to be a politician and has to go through death threats and has to be told five million times. I'm pretty sure she knows she's a woman, but she has to be reminded 50 million times a day by people mansplaining all types of things. Like you said, gaslighting all all while just doing her job, all while just doing her job. Uh, She's going to fight Chuck Schumer in 2022. That's anticipated. She's going to go for the lead Senate seat, hopefully, hopefully. But um, again, again, women politicians, including her, someone that is very vocal, someone that is very active on Twitter, she's a lightning rod. And so people and she has an economics degree and people call her dumb. People call her insane, all these type of things. So I agree with you. I agree as a person of color, as a woman of color, it's a whole different ballgame. Whole different ballgame. So hopefully she will. Hopefully she'll keep her head on straight for that because again, that is not that's not something that uh, is too common in the in the men realm. So that, that's tough, man. That's tough to keep uh, mentally mentally focused when you're having that brought upon you while you're doing your job. 
We talked about this in the pre-meeting. We'll keep it brief. Uh, many companies are going to start doing this social media. They're going to take on and, and basically integrate the Patreon model. They're going to um, have their regular tweets on Twitter, and then you're going to have premium content, just like you have on other platforms. You're going to be able to click into it, and you're going to do direct payment to um, freaking uh, content creators like Sammy and John. How do you guys feel about this? Uh, we're, we're not big on Twitter, um, but I feel that other platforms need to develop that same mantra because there are micro-influencers that could use the support, and that's pretty much like the realm that we fall in. Like We're trying to build a community um, based on our experiences and what we go through. So I think it's a really step, a really good step forward. I mean, it's really good for creators. I'd say it's challenging in a way that just thinking as a creator, you're like, okay, well, how would I even split my content that way? But I think that's a good problem to have, you know, yeah. up some kind of stream of income. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like it's good to show, like, the thought process. Like, I feel like that's what more um, people that will pay into it, like, they would want to see all, like, all the aspects. And like, the effort that you really put into creating yeah. things and writing things. Mm-hmm. But I I'm curious how that would work on Twitter, because, like John said, we're really not on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Oh, how that, how that would work? Um, they show a picture. They show a picture of, like, a diagram of how it would work, and it's just basically all the tweets and you just have a button up top, and it's like their premium content you get to click into. Um, kind of like OnlyFans. OnlyFans, Patreon. You have like, and sometimes they have sampler content. Sometimes they have sampler content on OnlyFans. Um, and they have lots of different content, guys. They don't just have porn and stuff like that. So that's one of the reasons why I know, because like I don't, I don't really need to go see my friends naked. That's not my thing. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> For free, if you want, you can send it over, guys. But like I, I'm, I'm good on the tears. I'll support in different ways. Um, but super follower, like I said, you get to click into the content. You get to, and so I think this answers. I think it does. I think it answers a little bit of the question we were talking about with Australia, um, with the legacy media trying to get their their dues and their pays. Um, something like Vox, for instance. Vox is a Twitter channel. Uh, they, You're right. Twitter is doing the opposite of what Facebook is doing. They are trying to get the money into the creator's hands. So hopefully that does answer that a little bit. Does it? Do you think it does? Or do you think that they need to do a better job, Twitter and Facebook, to get the creators their money? Mm-hmm. I kind of think they're a little bit different. But in terms of Twitter, I feel like this is the right path for them because literally if they didn't have people tweeting, they wouldn't have a plat like their platform. <laughs> Very true. Whereas Facebook is a little different because it's like they have other features and, you know, things that you can do where it's literally Twitter is like you're literally just tweeting. So without the creators, they wouldn't have anything. So I think it makes it makes a lot of sense that they're trying this model out. I didn't even think of that. I didn't think that. That's very true. It's like, what would they have if they didn't have everyone tweeting? Just the annoying Twitter tweets? So bots? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, it would be a bunch of bots. Mm-hmm. Free bot tweets. Well, we could get rid of all of us if you want, and we can bring back Trump, and we can all just watch Trump. Tweet. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> By himself, though. By himself, he can't retweet anybody. That, that sounds like 
a movie, like someone should make a movie like Right, a purgatory. Trump, you're the only person on Twitter and you can't you you can only follow yourself, you can only retweet yourself. <laughs> Oh no, oh no. Don't unplug the controller. <laughs> so anyway, uh moving uh, our last topic on uh what the fuck happened. Um thank you guys, you made it through the last round. Uh Mr. Potato Head has dropped his surname. He is now he she pronouns her them. Potato head, potato head. Nothing's really changed, to be honest. Um, if you're into the cancel culture vibe, uh, Mr. Potato Head, the brand is now just Potato Head. And so you can make it yourself, your lazy ass can make it into Mr. Potato Head or Mrs. Potato Head or both of them. It doesn't matter. How do you, will you be buying this new heterosexual, I mean, this new uh, homogenous, um, I guess, hermaphroditis, uh, potato head? Well, I think that this is good. I feel like it shows that companies are at least starting to try to catch up with where we are in modern times and, like, making an effort. My only question is, like, so when you buy the potato head, do you get, like, both what Mr. Potato Head used to come with and what Mrs. Potato Head used to come up with? All good questions. All good questions. Or do you just get a face? And, and you have, have to, to buy, buy all the accessories. But then they're going to have to also, like, get rid of the gendered accessory packages, right? Oh, like the pocketbook and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah like, oh. I want all of the accessories. It's like, oh. Me too, man. I want the Picasso head. I want that. What the hell, man? I'm with you on that. Oh, bull crap. Well, I... um. I think it's really silly for anybody that's like against it. Nobody here is against it. But um Builder Bear, there's Builder Bear is not Mr. Builder Bear. Like who gives a fuck? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's a toy. It's a toy. And uh on the same length, we don't have to make this into a big discussion. Um a lot of people have been canceling Dr. Seuss too recently. Um they found out that he used to contribute to um not the New Yorker, but like a similar publication. And um he did um anti war uh freaking cartoon panels and one of them the biggest one was towards Japanese and it was during World War II and he had a very and he even apologized for it um when it comes to books guys when it comes to books I know you guys have nieces and nephews and stuff like that um I know the go-to I know uh and I I still like Dr. Seuss I, I read into it by the way um I personally don't think that he was a racist I think that like you know he was working and his quotes even like he even like uh, addresses everything that everybody was talking about when he was alive. He was like, no, I'm not proud of some of the lazy things that I did. I like re- relied on stereotypes sometimes to make my drawings and it wasn't right. But uh, my question to you guys is when you guys buy books for your nieces and nephews or anybody on the rise in your life, um, is Dr. Sue somebody that's like right on your on your mind or you try or do you guys try to get more diverse authors? Because when I saw this. On the meme, it said, cancel Dr. Seuss pretty much and go buy um, child authors that are, are that are people of color. Like, stop buying from Dr. Seuss. It doesn't even matter if you think he's racist or not. You should be doing that anyway. I definitely have been more conscious of it, like, lately. Like, more so than before. I definitely, you know, if I'm going to buy a book for my nieces or nephews, I want it, first of all, I think it should be personalized. Like, I try to personalize to whoever I'm buying the book for. So, if I feel like a doc, like they really enjoy a Dr. Seuss book, I think I would buy that for them. But there are a lot of great new um, authors out there that can, like, so many more new subjects. 
um, that portray more modern experiences and things that, you know, you could buy over Dr. Seuss if you feel very strongly over it. I still like Dr. Seuss, and I, like, I love a lot of his books, and I know a lot of my friends' kids, like, that's still their kids' favorite book. But, yeah, I definitely think people should at least think about it, you know, like, don't just think of the first thing your little brain Googles up. Like, oh, Dr. Seuss. Like, there are a lot of other choices that you can make. I don't read that much. (laughs) Not even Dr. Seuss. (laughs) I've been trying to get John to finish the book for the last two years. Like, he started the book, and we're supposed to watch the movie for the book, and he still has not finished it. It's because it's based on nonfiction, and I feel like I need something more realistic, like, yeah. But it's based on fiction, gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, like, so I think, um, like, I like reading more fiction over nonfiction. Is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Fiction What? <laughs> oh. It's okay. He did, He didn't make it to chapter pop. He's still on chapter hop. It's okay. I get yeah. it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Yes. I, I make the book decisions in this family. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. You keep doing that. You keep doing that. Keep your finger on the page. Keep your finger on the page. Yes. Yeah, I I don't know. This is not his surprise. uh, Next time we'll review a cereal box. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I'm your man. I'm on that book club. I'm on that book club. I got you. I got you. Oh, oh, Oprah. All right. Next. Right. <laughs> next. What the mother, motherfucker, fuck, 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 did I hear? And this segment is brought to you by John because I almost forgot about it during the pre meeting. I was always like, no, 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 no music news. There's not, nothing music. Fuck the music news. No, here we go. Um, we don't have any new songs this week, but we have two mu- uh, huge announcements. Daft Punk. Uh, that is part of our generation. Daft Punk has retired. I don't know how you can retire from retiring, but uh, they did it. They found a way to do it. Their music has risen also by 1,600% on Spotify and other platforms. Uh, people that actually, they, they said, hey, I need to take them out of retirement on my playlist. So they did that. Are you guys, Do you guys have an affinity for Daft Punk at all? I love Daft Punk. Nice. But at the same time, when I... I think when we heard, like, the announcement or whatever, I was just kind of like, is this news? Like, is this <laughs> But apparently it is. Like, I saw a lot of people posting about it, and they're like, oh, so sad. But I'm like, why are you sad? They have all this amazing music for you to go back and listen to. Yeah. And, uh, wait, what, what, were they doing shows or something? I don't understand. I thought they, they haven't been making any new I mean, music. they've been doing more, like, collaborations and producing I think for other artists and they're like making music for other artists. True. Right, so so what, very similar to so yeah, they're stopping. Okay, they're so they're like, not okay they're so breaking they, up. They're breaking up. They're just yes, they're breaking oh. up. That that too. Not just retiring, breaking up. I don't know. Uncoupling. They're gonna uncouple. Yeah. Um it reminds me of Snoop Mafia. I don't know video clip that came out was very I mean confusing because one of them just blew up. Oh, that's <laughs> that's how they announced it. Yeah, like they like I they feel announced like that. it. Like, it's it's true. And I was like, oh, what? Did one die? <laughs> Put them back together. Put them back together. We could do this. We can get back on tour. We can get back on tour. I have a little bit of a story. I went to Coachella a few times, 
And one of the times I went, I kept going by this uh, this exhibition with these hippos in construction uh, outfits. And there was like, uh, it was kind of like a globe. And it had like electricity coming out of it. And I'm like, this is boring. Like, why would people want to be in this all weekend? And so all weekend, um, there was rumors that there was a secret headliner and it was going to be Daft Punk. So all weekend, we're like, ah, uh, yes, Daft Punk is going to show up at this performance. No, he's gonna sh- they're going to show up at this one. And so that year, um, like John said, they were heavy into collaboration. Oh, no, both of you said that, actually. Um, they were heavy into collaborations. And so they did that They did that really big song with Phoenix, If I Ever uh, Do Better or something like that. Um, and so Phoenix was one of the headliners. So we're so this was like one of the last opportunities for them to perform. And we're like, yeah, Daft Punk is finally going to come out. And... R. Kelly came out instead. Oh my God! What an disappointment! Right, and not that I, <laughs> and not that I didn't love R. Kelly's like music. Not that I wouldn't have been down for like a mini R. Kelly concert, but not during a Phoenix concert. Like I'm like, this is not. They didn't even. They never even did a song together. <laughs> and he and he was looking like Alan Iverson on stage. Like he had like the the glitter hat. He had like it was terrible. I'm like, dude, how old are you? You still dress like that, man? Like it's in like this Fiesta video. Like the Fiesta video was like 20 years ago, bro. You don't dress like that. You come up to Harlem. There's there. Oh shit! Oh, that's true. You guys do live in Harlem. Yeah, okay. yeah, dress like that. Yeah, bro. The big, the, the, the big camera on tees. The big camera on tees. Just the big with the over, oversized jersey. Oh no! There's people protesting skinny jeans. You knew that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. I heard about that. They said that that's like a like an imperialist thing. Fashion. No, they said that uh, it's like uh, causing um, like something with the uh, repopulation thing. uh, (laughs) Also, Bill Gates made these. He made these uh, pants. I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, Bill Gates jeans. We depopulate you. <laughs> yeah. Nice and snug, nice and snug. Yeah. Maxine not included. Um, so, so with Daft Punk, like I said, R. Kelly came out, and not only. So, what made it worse is that after. So we're in the, we're in a diner. I went to Coachella three times, and every time we go to this diner that's nearby to, you know, collect our thoughts because our brain is, like, splattered all over the venue. And so we're just, like, drinking mimosas, not mimosas, uh, Bloody Marys and pancakes and shit. And I look in the newspaper, and the newspaper goes, Daft Punk was at Coachella, and they were dressed up as hippos in the middle. Oh, my God. I love that. Wow. You love that? I almost got a refund. I almost called on Coachella. I was like, "Give me my fucking money back." <laughs> no, I I understand your frustration, but as an artist, I love that because I think the irony is just so funny. Yeah, and it's very much them, you know, with their costumes and stuff, and mm-hmm. how they are with the public and their fans. I, think I wish that wasn't true, but it is. <laughs> I wish you were right, but you're so right. That is so on brand with who they are. Yeah. Damn. But yeah, no, I am a big fan around the world. You write all their songs. You could definitely put them on a playlist going on a roadie. It's perfect for that. It's very upbeat and very progressive. Lots of samples, Kanye West. They're legendary. They're legendary. And like I said before, they remi- their breakup reminds me of Swedish House Mafia. Like you said before, they produce a lot of projects um, with that moniker, with that brand name. 
and we'll see what happens now. We'll see how their music looks apart. Bobby Schmurda, hot boy. Hey. Uh, no, I was about to say Hefany. I was about to, but that's uh, that's Young Ma. That's Young Ma. But she did take that hook. She did take that beat for that hook. Bobby Schmurda. He is on Epic Records. He had an attempted murder charge a few years ago. I think like around seven to nine years ago. And uh, L.A. Reid didn't want to bail him out, so now he's here. He wouldn't snitch. He's not like Takashi Six Nine. And I didn't know it was that big of a deal, but it's all over the internet. Still is. Bobby Schmurd, there's memes all over the fucking place. Um, stuff mixed in with Marvel and the Infinity Stones. That shit was pretty funny, actually. Yeah, that was um, funny. Are you guys into Bobby Schmurd's music at all? Are you happy that he's out? Another black man free? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I'm from the hood, and I, I, I hang out with a bunch of people that love his music. Uh, his music is not bad by any means. Like, uh, it like it's a, like when his song came on, it is a jam, and I'm not gonna front. It is a jam, but I think uh, it's great that he's out now. You know, um, there's gonna be more music uh, that he produces for for the streets and and stuff. Uh, but uh, I don't know what to say. Like if we would listen to him a lot, but I think it's, it's cool. Yeah. I listen to him too. He's pretty good. You're right. Even without his uh, his flagship song, his uh, his number one hit, he's not a one hit wonder. Yeah. He did a lot of cla- he did a lot of features with people before he went to jail too. And uh, he's very young, very young. He sold a lot of records. Uh, I mentioned Takashi Six Nine because, like I said, they were both very young. They both went through big Rico cases, and uh, one handled it very differently. And I, I hope that the uh, I hope the person that handles himself better is the one that uh, gets most of the, the fruits of this. So that so I root for Bobby Schmurda and Mr. Witness Protection. Mr. Uh, he he looks like a rainbow potato head. Uh, he can go somewhere. I don't give a fuck what he does to be honest. All right, so we kept that short and sweet. With what the fuck did I hear? Like I said, brought to you by John. I almost forgot it, but let's get into uh, what uh, some film and TV. Damn, son, where'd you find this? What the fuck did I watch? All right, we're trying to breeze through this because we have a double guest. Like I said, our first double guest, episode 100. We have two people to interview, so let's get through this quick. Behind Her Eyes, if you know the band U2, Bono, he has a daughter. Her name is Eve Hughes. I actually ran into her once in Brooklyn. She lives in Brooklyn. And uh, she stars in this Netflix limited series. Also, Tom Bateman, Simona Brown, Robert Armeo, um, a little kid, a cute biracial kid. His name is Tyler Howitt. Uh, it is about this this girl. She uh, <clears throat> She's in psychiatric care. And she is with this husband. They move into a new town. And uh, actually, it's too complicated to explain, to be honest. It's trash. I, I hated it. It's it's too super. <laughs> it's, too, it's too trash, to be honest. I, I love her. I, love, I used to watch The Nick. She's great in that. There's a new show called The Luminaries that she's in that's supposed to be getting high praise. This was trending on Netflix. It still is. It's like in the top ten on Netflix. It's doing very well. Um and, and I've mentioned this before. HBO and Netflix are my favorite uh, platforms for streaming. But HBO gives me way more quality than Netflix does. I will admit that. Even though I root for Netflix, Netflix gives me a lot more garbage than I would ever tolerate from any other platform. For some reason, I, I accept when Netflix gives me trash. I go, oh, well, you know what? They gave me two other good shows. That's all right. But I don't accept that from HBO. HBO, I expect them to always give me a good show. 
behind her eyes was really, really bad, guys. It was really bad. It took really slow to develop. Um, it's based on a book. And uh, and like I said, when they got to the supernatural elements and stuff like that, it looked really fake. And, I, again, I don't want to spoil it. There's a lot of people that like that type of stuff. I, I'm probably in the minority with this. There's probably a lot of people that watched this, and they were just like, Vince, you have no taste. But I already gave up on those people that think that. So it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. So don't avoid that, guys. Avoid that. Avoid behind our eyes on Netflix. I never usually say that. Broadcasting live from Yuba County. That is with Allison Janney. She is from the West Wing. Um, she also won an Academy Award recently for uh, I, Tanya. She was her mother. Very good movie. That This one's very good. This one's very good. This one has like a Fargo kind of feel to it. Um, her husband dies. Uh, she catches her husband cheating, and he gets a heart attack. When he catches it, when she catches him in the act, she covers it up. Mila Kunis is her sister, and she sensation. She's a newscaster, so she sensationalizes the story in order because she thinks that the husband is not dead. That that her sister's actually looking for the husband, but she's not. She's just trying to cover it up. So the lie just gets bigger and bigger, and she becomes like a celebrity over it. It's very good, and you get to see how that goes. If anybody wants to check that out, then we have. I care a lot. This one's actually very good. This one's on Netflix. This one is with Rosamund Pike. She's from the movie Gone Girl. Uh, she was very good in that as well. She's a very good actress. So I care a lot is about this um, this insurance fraud woman. She takes people, uh, old people that have like nest eggs that have been like you know saving up for retirement, all the good stuff. She finds ways to put them in nursing homes so they become a ward of the state, and she becomes their guardian, and she takes up all, she takes all their assets. And there's nothing they can do about it either. Sometimes they have family members trying to get them out of court and shit like that. And she just has so much savvy around the legal system that she basically makes these old people her prisoner. It's very good. It's very good. So she tries to trap this old lady, Diana Weiss. She's from Edward Scissorhands. Um, she's the Mary Kay salesman. And uh, in this, she is uh, someone. So she tries to kidnap her. And she kidnaps the wrong person. And it becomes very action-packed after that. Very good film. Netflix gets a good rating for that. Hulu has the last film that we're going to talk about by Lee Daniels. He's the director of Precious. He's also done um, The Butler. He's very good. The show Empire. So he did The U.S. versus Billie Holiday. That's another, um, that's another Golden Globe nominee. That's on Hulu as well. That stars the – do you guys know the artist um, Adra Day, the, uh, the singer? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she stars as Billie Holiday. Very good casting, by the way. I am I very much enjoyed this. I love Adder Day's music, but I wasn't that much of a fan until I saw this. And now, and and she actually sings in the movie. She actually sings Billie Holiday's parts. So this movie focuses on the trial that Billie Holiday went through when she got caught with heroin. She was a drug addict, but who wasn't back in those days? And they were really trying to get after her because of um, the song she did about lynching. Lynching was brought up in 1938, they mentioned this in the movie, um, to Senate to try to abolish. They did not. And during when she had this song, it was legal. It was legal to lynch people, and she was singing about it. So instead of the government blocking and banning um, lynching, they go after people for singing about it. Is this Are any of these movies um, interesting to you guys? Yeah, I'd watch that one for sure. Yeah, that sounds very interesting. I would love to watch that. Nice. That's on Hulu. Like I said, Behind Her Eyes is on Netflix. Broadcasting live from Yuba County is, on, is in movie theaters right now. I Care A Lot is on Netflix. And the U.S. versus Billie Holiday is on Hulu. The Golden Globes are tonight, guys. 
uh, yeah. If you, uh, do you guys watch any award shows? No. That's okay. So there's no favorites, all right? And then we get to go to the interview portion. Yeah, fun. Fun. <laughs> Boy, the way the Bee Gees play. What the fuck did I say? We made it, guys. We made it. Sammy and John, they are my friends, my colleagues. We, um, John, you see him on the credits, actually, John Estrella. He is one of our engineers. And I was explaining this to somebody recently, and I spoke about it with John. We have two engineers. We have Neil. We have John. Uh, John does a lot of things behind the scenes. He helps with the software. There's just so many things. I can't even, like, put my a name on all of it. So we have to thank him for that, first of all. Welcome. He's already a part of the show. Now you get to see his face. And we have Sammy. Sammy, they do a YouTube channel together. She works in the fashion industry. John works in tech. And now we get to ask him some questions. Sammy and John, thank you for being here. Thanks for having us, Ben. Hello, everyone. I'm Sammy. I'm John. What's going on? Tell us about your YouTube channel. If um, you had an elevator pitch and you wanted someone to watch it right now, tell them what it's about. Okay. I guess I this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so our our YouTube channel, um, Sammy and John, is really a documentation of all of our kind of adventures and experiences. We really started this channel pretty much at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and we really wanted to share our joy in, you know, spending time together in the outdoors with other people. And over time, it's kind of morphed into more general terms. And we want to just help people out and bring positivity and motivation into their lives the way that, you know, we draw it from others. I think for us, uh, we really wanted to show up for people that aren't represented in these kind of social media spaces um, as an Asian-American and Dominican-American couple. We're like, you know, we don't really see anyone out there that looks like us or has the same kind of experiences as us. So we really wanted to contribute our experiences to that and, you know, just show up for all the loud girls and Dominican guys and whoever doesn't feel represented out there. Yeah. To piggyback off of that, we love just giving our genuine selves and our full-on experiences. We talk a lot about family, our relationship, and going on adventures, at, like whether that be like outdoors or going on trips. Uh, pretty much we just want to build a community that is represented by people like us. True. And I get I get cooking tips from you guys. You guys go hiking in places I've never been. You guys go to haunted houses. Uh, you guys do your and your uh, family. It wasn't a haunted house. It was a it was a it was a, a, a it was a mental asylum. Yeah, it was a abandoned psych ward. I can't, definitely when, you, when you when you're from New York, like you, well, mo, bo, bo, uh, one of you are. Uh, when you're from New York, they're all haunted houses. <laughs> if there's any fucking ghosts, I don't even care if it's a fucking hallway. That's a haunted house. That's a haunted house. <laughs> the, the lunchroom is haunted. That's a haunted house too. That's a haunted house too. I don't give a fuck. They're all haunted houses to me. They're all haunted. <laughs> haunted, right? Yeah. Um, no, I thoroughly enjoy your channel. It's a lot more complete than mine. You guys are dedicated to the YouTube scene. You guys, and I, and I totally agree with you. The influencer scene. We talked about it in many industries, not just YouTube. Um, the micro influencers. So for anybody that doesn't know that, 
micro influencers or people around like the thousands uh, like myself uh, that influence those uh, those communities within their platforms, the social media platforms. And somebody that's a major influencer like Beyonce, uh, she but people would argue that like which one is the major and the minor. So someone like Sammy and John, they are considered micro. But they reach way more of their subscribers. They reach way more of their subscribers than someone like Beyonce. So Beyonce has like around a million. She only reaches two percent. Say Say it again. Mm -hmm. That's so nice of you to say, comparing to Beyonce. Wow. Oh, (laughs) of course, of course. You guys, well, you guys got to start naming your fans. You got to start naming your fans. Like what? Like the Sammy Joes or something. I don't even know. <laughs> I think it'll happen organically. It's right? true. That's true. They're going to say, and you guys have a great engagement. You guys have great engagement. Yeah, that part has been really fun. Definitely yes. engaging with, you know, people that watch our channel and our followers. And also, um, I think engaging with the creator community that comes with it has been also fun too. Because it's like meeting other people that are doing the exact same thing we are, like, we have the same kind of struggles in terms of like working and trying to make YouTube videos and like also being a couple that's doing all these things. So that has been really cool. Yeah, we pretty much like become our own production house. Yeah. Where we do everything and all. The difference is that we like fight about stuff a lot more than we could if it wasn't your Yeah. And I think three is the, the, I guess the feedback that we get has been so positive and that's what's really kept us motivated and going. Uh, as well as like the creator, like the other creators, like they, give us so much um, in terms of help support. and support that it just makes the whole experience like great and wonderful. Nice. Uh, t- so I'm jealous. First of all, mood for mood for days podcast. They guys got you first and I've known you for long. So I was just like, what the hell is going on? How did I not book them first? So shout out to him. He's got a good podcast. I enjoyed that interview. Um, you guys can talk about that. <laughs> But my question was, um, yeah, about the balance, about the balance, the work-life balance. You guys have really, and that's that's one of the things. Like, it's hard to get guests like that, so I don't try to. I I would love to make that a more like a more permanent um, uh, standard that like you know people have like these great double lives, pretty much. Yeah. Um. So that's why that's why I reach out to guests like you because both of you guys are pretty much the epitome of that. That you guys are by the embodiment of what I like to uh, find in guests: people that have great day jobs. And their passion projects are pretty much the same work effort and same uh, abilities, all that good stuff. You're you're basically living two jobs. So yeah. I want to know more about that, guys. I want to know. You don't have to go too much in detail of your 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 um your primary jobs, but I want to know just enough about it and how it bleeds into the the production house. The impressive, by the way, I love it. I love um, the production of your videos. I love the uh, the quality of them channel everything the promotion like i said the engagement my fans in particular are very shy very coy they're not very interactive like that so i'm i i love that you guys utilize that i love that you guys ask like the new the new content that's coming out i love that you're asking your community that like what do you want to see i wish my my fans were that vocal enough to find that kind of feedback so go on please balance it up balance well balance so elusive, isn't it? Yes. So I would say, like, you know, 80-20 of it is, um, like, 
20 of it is like off, like the work that you're doing. Like 20% is, is the work. And 80% is all effort. Um, if you wake up like and like just feel like you're not in like a great mindset and a, and a great day or not, like feel like you're not going to be in a great mood, um, it just it, like it's sometimes a motivator for me in, in a way to like produce more and create more. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there are times where um, my job is um, very technical and like I have to have like a strong knowledge base. So I'm always learning um, new things, especially about technology. And because I don't readily put all of those things I learned into practice at my job, I do it on the side as a side hustle as well. So I've been doing this for over, I mean, I can't even say it's been so long because technology, it, it, um, it's been such a huge part of my life. Uh, I'd say since I was 13, I was like learning about tech and wanting to be in that realm. Um, but aside from that, I also had like this creative passion, right? So that's just been like a struggle of like balancing that out. But overall, I find solace in working um, both, like both yeah. jobs, because I like. I, you need you need yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's definitely different between the two of us. But for John, I think, especially when the pandemic started and we were both home more, I definitely could feel that he was getting a little bit like not stagnant but you were getting a little like every day at work you're kind of like okay like a little bit cookie cutter and he was kind of craving some sort of creative outlet to kind of put that energy into and when he started kind of picking up the video camera more and working on more creative projects that you know really helped you mm-hmm. um for me it's a little bit different because i am in a creative industry i am a shoe designer for um, like a large fashion company. Sure. And um, Parsons alone too. Parsons alone, great school. Shout out to Parsons. Um, so at my job, it kind of takes a, a lot of my creative energy. So it's different in that he like needs the YouTube and creating videos to kind of put his creative energy into. And for me, it's kind of like I kind of have to siphon a little bit more my general creative energy with work and then making sure I have some for YouTube too. My job is super demanding, I would say, day to day. I don't have a really big team, so I'm really busy every day. And it's definitely hard to try to balance, you know, showing up at at my job and making sure I'm advancing in my career, but also showing up for our creative pursuits like sometimes, you know, if it's like around deadline time, it's really stressful for me and we'll kind of ease off on creating our content so that we always kind of have to just check in with each other and make sure that, you know, do are we in the right headspace to be creating content together and are we doing it for the right reasons? Like if I'm stressed from my nine to five job and we're supposed to be creating something and, you know, my mindset's off, John immediately knows and he'll kind of, suggest you know we push it off or we schedule it so i think that has been really important in balancing it 
but it's definitely like we're still figuring it out. Absolutely, because we just started this back. It's almost well, let's say it's been I guess eight nine months that we since we started our YouTube channel, and I feel that we like when we first started, we were so excited. And, so excited, and I had just um, got furloughed from a job, so I had a, a bit of time to work on some creative projects. And I think that's what like kick started like this whole creative pursuit for me. And with that, um, when we come like when I started working again, when, got, when I got job. a new job, yeah, when I got a new job, and then while Sammy was also still working, it's like we knew that we needed to um, adjust yeah. ourselves um, in terms of how much content we were putting out because. Uh, like we would find ourselves feeling burnt out yeah. and, and burnout is so real. And I feel like once we learned, uh, like, and actually experienced burnt out, we, we knew that, Hey, like we need to reevaluate and really focus on the balance because it, it, it's not sustainable for us to have a full production house and nine to five jobs. And like not even nine to five jobs, but like full on careers. Like yeah. I've been at, you know, I've been in, like I work in the industry that I went to school for and I've like been building my career for like 10 years now. So it's not like I just clock in and clock out. So it is hard for me to kind of disconnect a lot of times. And I think when we first started, honestly, I feel like I've experienced burnout maybe my whole life um and john really felt it when we started you know doing doing our creative stuff more mm-hmm. and i was like oh i was like oh i think he's burnt out and it was like you were like full stop like i can't do anything anymore yeah like my brain just like shifted turned off and it's like yo, i need a break <laughs> for me i feel like i i don't know if it's because i'm just like a type a overachiever it probably is that exactly but i <laughs> have lived in cycles of burnout for so long now and I've been really trying hard in the past year to, you know, not do that because it's really detrimental to like my mental health. It's hard on my relationship. So definitely last year I was focusing a lot on my own habits before we even like figured out stuff for us. Like I think it definitely took me also just focusing on myself and my own habits, which then helped my work stuff and it helps our creative stuff and we're like getting more into a group now but it is hard <laughs> we're basically working all the time yeah. i hear you i hear you um especially on the creative front i work in creative industries too and uh, i've been trying to finish a book for like 10 years you're right it's hard to turn off it's hard to turn that off uh as far as uh, relationship has been, I've never been in a uh, power couple that created things. I, when I, the last time I was in a relationship, um, the person was in retail, blah, 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 whatever. Not to get too personal, but um, I've never, I've never had a tandem like that. I've never, I've never been in that situation. And so, to know, and luckily for your fans and your audience, you guys, and I think I believe this is true. You're a practicing Buddhist, uh, right, uh, uh, Sam? 
I am, yes. Nice. So, go. To, sorry, I, I know that sounds uh, off color, but um, no, it matches with you guys' brand when it comes to mental health, when it comes to being mindful, when it comes to the interracial aspect of the relationship. So, when you guys take these breaks, I think your fans actually enjoy that because that's what you preach. That's what you guys are preaching in your mantra in your videos. That's what I see at least. And that's how you guys are engaging with your fans. So your fans want the best version of you. And it's not about quantity over quality. It's the opposite. You guys are always more into. So when I mentioned that in the beginning with my podcast, my YouTube channel is just accompanying my podcast. Yours is a full embodiment of what it should be, of like what an influencer channel should be. And so, like I said, it nobody is looking for you to come out with something weekly. They're looking for the next best video whenever it does come out. I think we realize that, okay, not right away, but we realize that kind of maybe after we burned out, we were like, I think we were, no, we're, we're trying too hard. We're like doing too much or we're, you know, measuring ourselves a metric that doesn't, matter as much as we thought it did in terms of that, but it was good to establish our discipline and consistency. So there's like things like that too. I agree. Um, to add to that, we also were um, taking advice from other YouTubers and other um, influencers that um, help build other YouTube creators like um, channels. So like Think Media and um, Sean Cannell, um, we watch his, his um, channel a lot because their tutorials and their um, content really speaks like to us and it tells and like it gives us, it gives us like the framework of what our channel is supposed to be. So when we first started, there were a lot of things. I mean, it's all, um, stepping stones and baby steps, right? So we were just trying a bunch of things, you know, and trying to figure it out while it already being such a big platform, you know? So it's yeah. not like we came in knowing all of this stuff. Um, we were also learning all this stuff as we were going. And I think that's what also contributed to, like, burnout, leading to burnout and all of that stuff. And we just needed to, you know, hone it back down and just and really focus more on the quality, the quality. over yeah. like putting out content because in our analytics it shows that our fans really want to see us and as we like as we are genuinely. Yeah, we do that for sure. That's something we've been learning. Like they just want us to be us, and I think they want. They want to see our personalities more. So that's definitely something we've learned from our analytics and just talking to people about our content, which is nice because, like, I would love to just be who I am all the time. Mm-hmm. And going back to what you said, Vince, uh, about us being a power couple um, and doing content, um, this is fairly new to me. Um, yeah, it's new our, to me, too. In our... In our most recent video that's going to come out soon, we talk about how our relationship... Yeah, we get a sneak peek. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of perfect timing because, Vince, you've known us for a long time. Yeah. Victoria's Secret yeah. Days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's Very long time. And when you were talking about IT, I remember you introducing me to Adobe. I remember like, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> 
It's funny. It feels, yeah, it doesn't feel so terrible. Even you, like, not knowing which name to call me, I feel like that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I love the Sammy name. I love the Sammy name. But you're right. I got I, I got to introduce you with the, 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 the first name. The first name. They're both my names. That's right. That's right. They yeah. definitely are. But definitely being, like, in a creative couple has been so amazing and fun. Like, I don't think I ever imagined that I would have this. But it's definitely also very challenging in its own ways too because it's we have to always make sure to put our relationship first, first. that's the foundation of everything mm-hmm. um so we always you know need to check back with each other and make sure like you know us as a couple we're good and strong and communicating clearly and are on the same page about things and we fight about stuff my mom was asking me, she was like, who's the producer of this? You or him? And I was like, honestly, I don't know. Both of us. But that's what it is. It's extremely collaborative. Yeah. It's great because we kind of, we help each other in our weaknesses and strengths. So we kind of balance each other out and help the other person strengthen their weaknesses too, which has been great. I think um, doing this as a couple has really Define us as a power couple because yeah. like before we were we were yeah. we were good it was a regular ass couple yeah we we're a regular ass couple just yeah. you know getting the money bag mm-hmm. watching yeah and then you got bit by a spider and you became a power couple yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a radioactive spider yeah no uh, what is your what is your favorite video that you guys have done it could be it doesn't have you guys don't have to agree. Which one is your favorite video that you either produced or you just looked at later and was like, wow, this was really dope how it came out? You pick one. I want to know what your favorite is. Is that from our channel? Or from, yeah, from, from your channel. channel. From your channel. It's Absolutely. From, channel. from your yeah. channel. Fuck everybody, y'all. This, this is not ridiculousness. This is not Rob Diedrich. I'm not like... Oh, other people. I know. I know. I already know. <laughs> it, it was, Focus on you, Dr. Seuss. Yeah. You. It, was, it was our... The... Um, it was our wrap up video for the other run nights, the our toughest challenge. That's my favorite too. Yeah. Oh, boo, I didn't want you to agree, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> we finished each other's sentences. <laughs> no, you know, the thing is, um, that one was like for us That was like a huge like it was a huge milestone in our relationship, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. And yeah, in our like also content creation because I mean the challenge itself so first know. of all it took us a long time what is the challenge guys what's the yeah. challenge for all the people that have not okay. seen okay. it so <laughs> for people who haven't watched the video go watch it um, we took a trip to the Adirondacks which is in New York State oh that's a popular video too um, we went you know, did a bunch of hiking and stuff so this last video was kind of our super epic challenge video where John decided that it would be a great idea for us to ride our bikes up Whiteface Mountain, which is one of the tallest peaks in the Hikes region of the Adirondacks. It's the fifth highest peak in the Adirondacks region. The, no, so, the, the highest is Blueface. Blueface, yeah. I'm joking, yeah. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> On Mount, on Mount Tatiana. <laughs> you know, you say that, but there's actually a blue face. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. Keep going. Keep going. I'm joking. I'm joking. Bust down. Bust down. I got you. I got you. 
Okay, so yeah, so John decides that this is what we're going to do at the end of our trip, like the big trip ender. And he really underestimated how hard it would be, I think. And I kind of, we're opposite in that way. He super underestimated how hard it would be. And I was like, this is going to be really, really hard. Like, so we ended up doing it. The whole kind of series that we have on our channel is like kind of a progression leading up to that one big challenge. So it was hiking, hiking, kayaking. Yeah, we did a bunch of stuff. We did did a whole bunch of stuff to prep for this just to get our body and minds like in the right frame of mind to actually do this. So, give you a little bit of context. I'm a huge bike rider. Um, when I'm biking, that you I are. Do, you have met me in so many places with your bike. I'm just like, how the hell did he get here? Yeah, you know, I do. Like, <laughs> I, I say I've done logged like probably like 400 miles just riding a bike. Wow. That's impressive. And You're in great shape, so that shows. shows. And it was, it was like that's where like my confidence came from. It's like, yeah, I got this. You know, uh, I bike all the time, man. <laughs> And I'm over here like, a mountain is different than, you know, the FDR. <laughs> Word, that's, what, that's most of the times I've met him, too. I'm like, yo, John, and, and to be honest, every time I cross the FDR, I've seen him so many times on the other end, I go, is John going to be there? <laughs> <laughs> yo, his tattoos, his tattoos be gasping for air more than him. He'd be like, I'm good, I'm good. His tattoos be like, you get this motherfucker, yo. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and you on your epic journey. This is great, the Adirondacks. Yeah, and before before this, like last year, we had gone to the Adirondacks and we had visited the same mountain, but we had driven up in our car because uh, we can drive. So this time we're like, let's ditch the car, and we're just gonna we're gonna bike it. We're gonna bike. We're gonna, just go, we're gonna bike up, up this mountain. Go up there. That, was that, that white face. Uh, in total, um, the route is sixteen miles. So I'm like, oh, 16 miles. You're like, right. 16 miles, easy. You're right. But easy. I wasn't putting into account the elevation gain. Oh, for I, real, man. Mine's a ride in Columbia. I feel it. What? <laughs> Your elevation gain was like, uh, I think, uh, 4,200 feet. Yeah. Was it progressive or was it like just a straight? I mean, um, it was it was all progressive. So basically we're going up. 4,000, yeah, about 4,100 feet. Um, and Did you feel the altitude? Did you feel the air, like, getting thinner? And honestly, I just... Well, no, because... It's like, hard to feel anything else but tired. Driving, driving, you can tell the difference. Like, if you drive up, um, you, can, you can feel the difference in pressure and in, 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 in when you go up into the altitudes. But when you were riding, you were, so, you were gasping for air. And, like, we were... Most of, I mean, most of it was walking. Yeah. <laughs> like I, which I knew. I was like, we're gonna mostly be pushing our bikes up this mountain. Like I already knew that the night before. John was thinking we're gonna freaking ride we're gonna this ride, whole mountain. And I was like, no, I'm definitely gonna be pushing no, a bike. John, up John's mountain. optimism should be its own separate person. Yeah. Yeah. Throw your optimism outside and have him push this fucking car. Like. <laughs> but. I mean, yeah, it was an epic trip, and I, I definitely think, like, it means a lot more to us, I think, than maybe the video portrays, because obviously it's a very condensed mm-hmm. showing of what the journey actually was for us, but as a couple, that that challenge really set us up, I think, for 
you know, continuing with our creative pursuits and the channel and like really strengthening us as a couple because even though it was a hard climb mentally, like the mental part of it was harder, I think, in terms of just like we wanted to finish. We we're going to finish the yeah. challenge like, no matter how long it took us. Yeah, over the physical, I think mentally, like you have to be like mentally prepared and headstrong to do it. Because, as you said in the video, most of our friends would not even attempt it if they watch it back. It was, like, they wouldn't it even was attempt painful. It because, like, I'm not, I'm not gonna find it. it was painful for me. Like, my legs were hurting. My legs were ready to give out. Uh, my knees were like buckling down. I felt like, I felt like my weight, um, doubled as yeah, I was as going, up. going up. So as I was going up, it felt like I was like even heavier. And mind you, I had a backpack full of gear, loaded with gear, like camera equipment and, and like my drone gear and stuff. Those batteries are heavy as hell. And so I'm carrying like 30 ba- thirty pounds on my back plus a bike and my whole body weight. So just going up, it just felt like... Yeah, you're just like pushing all this weight up. Yeah. And that's why we, I think we feel like um, it helped mold our relationship. Yeah. Like to get like, like, become like, like part of the lot because we also have to really be very supportive of each other yeah like throughout the entire like journey we were supporting one another and making sure checking in um with each other because eight miles going pretty much up <laughs> ascending yeah yeah it was tough yeah, it was tough but it was it was great it was epic like we literally just pushed our bikes up to the mountain so that we could ride our bikes down a mountain and we see a little bit of it in the video but it was so epic like the, the like the riding down was it was so scary it was like a thrill like i've never felt before uh like just like I've gone shooting roller coasters, down a mountain gone roller coasters and I, I feel like hold up, you zip line down, or what did you do? No, no, we were. I mean, you just got we just got on our bikes and rode down. So it took us like how many hours to climb? I don't even know how many hours. Isn't that dangerous? Like, couldn't you like slip going down with the bikes? We were fine, dude. Oh. Like, we got dude. There were so many curves well, and stuff. If well, we, if if we, we were holding our bikes, we would have ran off a ravine or something. That's what I'm well, saying. Like the big stir over here. Like what? Well, and we we're on a road. We weren't on. We weren't like mountain biking. It was like it was we went road. up the road. And, but we were holding our brakes the entire time yeah. going down. <laughs> like, ripping our brakes. We are doing at least 50 miles an hour going down. And, like, my forearms were, like, jacked from holding the brakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. And after, after, like, the challenge, that video was important to us because it took us a long time to make it. Because we were sitting on the footage, and I think we were both we were both scared that we weren't going to have a good video. Well, really? I think, wow, I think, that's um, one of your more popular videos. a really good video. Yeah, it was, uh, I feel like uh, the story wasn't completely told. Yeah. So we had to, like, go back and, like, capture some more footage. So like, we had to tell, frame, frame it so that it, the story was there and not just, yeah. like, all individuals. Because it, it was important to know how... Uh, how I felt during and then after. Yeah. Because yes. I, there was a lot of things I didn't tell uh, Sammy until after, um, until that after that video came out, until we did that video. And there was like 
things I didn't tell her because like going up, I was like in so much pain, but I was like, I didn't care. I was like, I didn't care. Like you doing this, like you you still going. (laughs) Smart man, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. I got you on that, man. I'm really on that. Um, so sometimes most of your videos come out to like between five to ten minutes. A lot of people don't realize just even a three-minute video takes a lot of work, especially just with some editing involved and some graphics, and it, it becomes a cumbersome uh, activity. My last question before, my, my very last question, like what's your next project you guys are most excited for is, um, but first, what's the hardest part about content creation that you did not know about before you got in, that you know now? Hmm. The hardest part. And you do some of the social media, so if you'd like to include that too, you can. Well, for me, I think is um, coming up with ideas. Um, it's it's a bit challenging to know to like gauge what your audience wants without your audience telling you what they want. So it it, it gets tough to try try to stay genuine to ourselves, but also genuine to our audience, and if we don't receive any feedback that, you know, portrays, like, in the sense, like, um, that we're not giving them what they want, then we know, like, all right, we need to either shift or mm-hmm. think about our content in a different way. But overall, I think one thing that was is really hard is just coming up with the ideas. Yeah, I think for me it's more like, when we're shooting, just trying to make sure we're on the same page of what we what we want the end story to be, because a lot of times, I mean, we're two separate people, so we can't read each other's minds no matter, you know, how much we're together. We just still can't. So it's definitely making sure when, you know, we're planning and writing and about to produce something that we're constantly making sure that, you know, our visions are together and not fighting each other because I think that's something that you know you can run into with more than one person is making sure that your visions fit together and sort of fight against against each other so that you you're doing what you need to do to kind of create this end piece of content together and for it to portray exactly you know the feelings and messages that we want our audience to get from our stuff that's perfect that's a perfect answer guys thank you so the last question, very last question, because I've taken up way too much of your time. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, what are, and it doesn't even have to be your YouTube channel, what is the next project you guys are most excited about? Today? Can you tell us? I'm excited about everything. I'm excited about I'm excited about everything that we've already, like, established and uh, have created. I'm super excited ready to create more yeah. and just create more. I'm always on the, the gun, like, we need to do this, we need to do that, we need to do that. But it's always baby steps. Yeah. Like, I, I always, definitely... I feel like I always need to reassure to her and tell her, like, there's always, I'm always telling her, like, bits and, like, bits of ideas, things here and there that I want to do and accomplish, but she always thinks that I want to do it, like, right, right now. now. And I'm like, I have a meeting right now. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, come on, girl, like, I understand. Calm that. down, Hype Williams. The next music video will be next. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just, I'm, it's like, I get so excited, and it's like, 
I want like I create goals for us like on the on the fly. Like yeah. Like Oh you didn't know? You didn't know yeah. that was our goal? You didn't know that, <laughs> that was on our bucket list? Oh, <laughs> yeah. So it's like uh I'm always excited to just keep on creating yeah. and showing like showing like our lives. We have so much planned and I I definitely think we're excited to hear some feedback, you know, from our, some of our friends and followers about what kind of stuff they're looking for from us and in general. I think definitely people have been asking more about our relationship, mm-hmm. um, which is really interesting. And I was a little surprised that, you know, so many people wanted to know more about the relationship, but I guess that makes sense. So we'll be doing, you know, more videos relating to that and also just continuing to do hikes because we really just started hiking last year. Like what you see on the channel is literally awesome. Could have had me fooled. Could have had me fooled, man. Yeah. I mean, well, we, start, we started hiking together. together last year. I have been yeah. um, hiking for, I don't know, for so long since high school probably. Um, and I've just been like an outdoor junkie. Yeah. I always I was like being in the outdoors. Sure, I have been on hikes with you before. I think we did Ramapo together once. Yeah. And I go I like I like urban and rural hiking. So like I wanna incorporate that too, like more urban hikes of us hiking in the city. Yeah. That's showing, also been something showing showing more of our city and where we live and the grounds that we stop, you know. Yeah, and I think just the theme of our channel is, you know, us doing new things together and experiencing new things together. So I'm excited for all that. Like, I've never been camping, and we're planning to do that sometime this year once it gets nicer. So that's going to be really interesting. Grilling and chilling. I remember that episode. That was a good episode. My favorites are... Both actually, I do love um, that. I do love the couple content. Actually, I'm with your fans with that. I definitely want to see more of that dynamic because, like you said before, the people of color, um, it's not your responsibility to like hold that light, to hold that torch, but it is there. It is there, and there are not a lot of people that get to experience people like you on screen. So they want they want you to take advantage of that platform. That's how I feel on that. And um, why also? Oh. My my also my favorite content from you guys is when you do hit your family in Rhode Island. I was uh, looking for new content on HBO Max, and I uh, was going to watch this show called House of Ho, and it's about. Yeah, this- I want to watch that too. Oh, you do? Have you watched, have you watched Bling Empire, Vin? On Which one? Bling Empire. No, I want to. I want to. So I want to watch something. So I'm opposite. I want to watch something. I'm not into reality TV, so that's why I turned off uh, House of Ho. Because that was about a rich family in Houston, which which is valid. Like people need to watch that. Like there's there's all types of reality shows. Representation matters. That's just not my thing. I wanted to see a um, a scripted show, like kind of like um, not kind of like, but like with the same ensemble of like uh, Crazy Rich Asians. I would like something like yeah. that, like like a series like that. That's what I was looking for. That's what I was looking for. So when I see your family. I get an inside look of something I don't usually get to see. Mm-hmm. The family, the food, the cult, even your even your boyfriend, like even John being there. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I don't get to see that. So I think if I had to put myself in the shoes of your audience, I think that's what they're yearning for. Those interactions yeah. that they don't get to see often. And that's what, like I said, when I look for TV on Hulu, anything, I'm always looking for 
Um, for instance, there's a show that I might watch soon that has to do with uh, kickboxing, UFC. I'm not, I don't watch that. But because I don't watch that, that's why I want to watch that because I want to learn about a new community through television. And so I think a lot of people do that with you guys. They, they're never going to be that interracial couple, so they want to learn more about it. Yeah, I definitely think that's been eye-opening that so many people are interested. Because I think, you know, when we first started the channel, we're like, we're going to do hiking and stuff. But to see that there's such a response to, you know, seeing, you know, our families and just John interacting with my families, I think that's awesome. And it's something that's super special to us, too. So, yeah. And usually I'm, like, everyone's first person that they've ever met that is William Chin. So I think that is a clear sign to me. I'm like, okay, people don't know other people like me. And there's a lot of us. So I definitely, you know, want to do my best to showcase us as much as I can. It's really sad. You're still the only Laotian person that I know, I, I, that I can think of. And that's really a shame because you're right. There's so much beautiful culture. I've seen, I saw a picture of your your parents in traditional garb and stuff like that. There's, there's oh, nice. <laughs> so royal, so regal. I love it. Uh, yeah, I was complimenting it once with John one time. You guys, uh, we were just having a nice session online when we were talking about uh, technical stuff. And uh, he showed me that, and I and I was I was I, I was marvelled the same way that I am now. Like I said, uh, I I'm not somebody that'll like pick up a history book often. Uh, I do enjoy history, but most of the history I get is from people writing in a script. And even if it's fiction, when they when, when they try to get the muse, when they try to get it from things that actually did happen, current events, things that are in their tradition, family values, culture, all that kind of stuff, things that I would not be able to do. Unless I just went on a plane ride or a boat ride to that country, I try to get the next best thing. And I try to get either someone that is originally from that area telling their story or someone like you just living your life. Yeah, I think uh, I agree with you there. Uh, We do want to show more of that. We want to bring you guys along, not just because – the, the representation, but also because as like individuals, like we also have a voice and we we want to be heard. Yes, yes, that's the only way, in my opinion, that's the only way to crush stereotypes. Uh, to learn is to learn from each other. Yeah, it's to learn from each other. There's whole, yeah. there's all types of crazy, ignorant tropes that they could just put together just by yeah. seeing the three of us on screen. But like watching, watching you and your experiences does all the teaching that it can. Another thing that um, we also look forward to in our content is just it being that of the documentation, you know, it's going to live on forever on the internet. So hopefully our next generations and the generations after that will also see it and learn from it. And we want to like be those type of educators as well, where it's, it's fun to learn. Yeah. Like, not that this is the way to do or anything, because obviously our experience is our own, but, like, just giving some people an insight to what it is like, you know, for us or what it could could be like for someone else. Maybe they know someone that is like us, and it gives them a little bit more insight into their lives. It's just, you know, shining more light on a vast, you know, pool of experiences that we all have as humans. 
speaking of shining light, one of my favorite before we go is uh, your father when he was eating lunch near the sunlight in uh, in one of the rooms. That was very, very cute. My dad is so funny. That was very cute. I love that. That was really cool because especially in these pandemic times, um, any uh, – ounce of sunlight, any extra bits of that type of happiness. Um, that's not the type of content I produce, but like, again, I, I appreciate that from you guys. I appreciate the optimism. I appreciate it's actually a little bit more unique than what I usually see as like, you know, um, overabundance of positivity. You guys are more natural about it. And that's why you're on the show. I, I, I try to bring in people that I thoroughly enjoy. And, uh, and again, I have to give a big thanks to both of you, not only for the engineering that you've done for the show, John, but the support that both of you have had. You guys are always uh, shouting me out. You guys are always resharing a lot of my content, exchanging wines. I'm very proud. You all get paid this year, man. That's right. We will. No, we're working on that. We're definitely working on that. Yes. I love it. I love it. And I I appreciate you guys as individuals. I appreciate you guys as a couple. You guys are both impressive people within your careers and what you do in the content space. Just can't say enough, man. Thank you so much for being here. So humble. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Congratulations on 100 episodes. Thank you. Thank you. The confetti, the big confetti. Actually, (laughs) I like confetti. I just hate sprinkles. Uh, or what are those things called? The, um, is it is it confetti? Which one is the one that doesn't go away like ever? Sparkles. Sparkles. Yes. Uh, sprinkles. Whatever those things are. I hate those things, man. <laughs> Keep them in the strip clubs. Nowhere else. <laughs> anyway, we're gonna get out of here. Um, are there places? So where can they find you guys? And where do you want them not to find you? We'll look for you. We'll stalk you like the Bayhive. Definitely um, find us on YouTube. <laughs> Danny and John on YouTube, and also make sure to follow us on Instagram at it's Danny and John. And you know, we we try to post kind of different content on both platforms, but they do connect. They do, they do, and they're very great. They're both growing exponentially. I love it. I love it. I love it. Big fan, and I look forward to more videos. Uh, like I said, uh, you can find them on it's Sammy and John. Uh, if you like I said, you want to stalk them and find them as good people, go ahead and do that. We're not going to do that here. But uh, Keep Up NY is our Twitter handle. Keep Up NYC is our Instagram handle. You can type in Sylvan Sane. Get on sylvansane.com. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on iHeartRadio. We have a YouTube channel. You can type that in also, Sylvan Sane. You can also check them out on my page as well. They're on one of my playlists. Uh, we'll try to get that pop in. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. Episode 100. I love it. I love it. Party animals. Party animals. You better shut the fuck up, listen up, and keep up with my good friends, Sammy and John. Over and out. Bye.